0: This is middle tennessee electrics plugged in podcast this podcast focuses on the world of electric vehicles it is for all ev enthusiasts whether you are an early adopter and have been driving an ev for years or you're just starting your research this podcast is for you
1: hello i'm brandon wagner
0: and i'm amy byers and welcome to middle tennessee electrics plugged in podcast so brandon last week we took a look back at season one Um, some of the highlighted, some of the clips that we thought were kind of stand out and we didn't get through. There were a lot of them. So we're going to continue that today with part two of the season one recap.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: So now we're going to go to episode 11, um, where we did a spotlight on a Ford F-150 and we interviewed two of our uh, EV car club members who had just gotten their Ford Lightnings, TJ Lewis and Lee Moore.
1: Yeah, and here we were specifically asking them about the bidirectional charging and powering your house from your from your truck, which is a function you can do, but there's certain specifications that you have to know about if that's if that's something you're interested in.
2: So I've uh, got the extended battery in the lariat. Um, it does have the Pro Power on it. Um, it does have the ability to hook into uh, your house to po- power it. Uh, the thing that you don't find out up front about it is it's about $10,000 to add uh, the transfer switch and everything that you need, plus the installation, uh, to be able to power your house.
0: The, the equipment you need on your house.
2: Correct. Right. Yeah. And so they partner with a vendor called Sunrun, um, and they come out and um, do the installation. But they, the quotes are around ten grand. Uh, depending on if they don't have to run a lot of wire.
1: So I'm, I'm curious now, the, the charger you got has the ability, if you paid the extra to do, to do it, right? Uh,
2: so the charger, I got the Pro Charger with the extended battery. Okay. And so you do have the option to tie that into the home uh, integrator kit, I think they call it, okay. um, to be able to charge uh, the house. Uh, on the extended range battery, they say you can go for three days. Um, the nice thing is, I've got plugs in the front and I've got plugs in the back. And so when my neighbor Don and I were installing a 50 amp charging outlet for my truck, because I tried the 110, wasn't, wasn't going to work for me, right? Um, we plugged in my saltwater aquarium, we had a TV, Apple TV, and I think uh, we, it took us a little longer than we may want to admit. Um, But it used less than a percent of the battery to run all that, um, plus the internet for the house to be able to watch the games. Mm -hmm. So,
3: I have the the Pro, which has the
4: standard range battery, the smaller uh, available battery size. And it does not offer uh, the ability to have bi-directional charging with the uh,
3: Ford Pro Charger.
1: And and so um, one thing I keep hearing is that these Pro Chargers are 80 amp rated. They are. But you don't have to put 80 amp service in there. Is that you correct? don't. So there are
2: seven different settings on the Pro Charger. Um, it's all behind the cover, so it's not like you flip a switch on the outside or you're worried about that. Um, but you can do up to 80 amps, or there's incrementals uh, that you can go down. My house was built in 2021. Um, it's got 200 amp service to the house, 100 amp to the garage panel, which powers most of the house outlets, except like the range. Uh, I've had a, several electricians come out to try to quote what it would take to install it. Um, and every one of them is, is concerned about trying to put 80 amps on it. Um, they think we can get away with putting 50 amps, 60 at the most. Um, but when you're talking about all electric utili- or um, appliances, 100 amps doesn't go a long way with water heaters and uh, different things. So. Uh, I charge at night on the Pro Charger. I've been able to um, uh, set a time, so my time is uh, 11 to 6 a.m. 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. Uh, that way, I'd, I'm not taking showers in the middle of the night, right? Or so I can maximize the charging effic- efficiency.
1: Amy, in episode 12, uh, we interviewed Robert White about his Mustang Mach-E and his reaction to long-term ownership
0: yeah, and while we had him, we had had um, heard, I think we we filmed this maybe in the spring, early spring, um, maybe even in February. And you know, we had been hearing a lot of people talk about how in the winter, they really saw their battery life decline, you know, with with the colder temperatures. So we really wanted to talk to him about seasonal driving because he had had his monkey through all the seasons mm-hmm. and kind of how he felt, Um, the seasons affected his battery life. Mm
5: -hmm. That is so true. Driving in (laughs) in the winter in EVs, you have to make an adjustment, you just have to. Mm -hmm. It's just no way around it. Um, What people forget with EVs is that every single thing you do in that car can drain that battery. Everything from windshield wipers to music to everything you do affects Mm -hmm. your range. And so with EV, uh, but folks use cold weather driving as a criticism for EVs, they don't realize it also affects gas vehicles as well. Mm -hmm. It's just that it affects them differently and and the way they utilize the the waste and everything, it warms and so they forget that. But if they look at the research, it shows they get less range in the winter with gas vehicles as well. It's just that you don't feel it as much because everything you do in an EV is affected affecting the range of your battery. But yes. your, the range does go down and you have to learn to adjust. I, I went to Memphis on a road trip in January last mm-hmm. year. And when I left on that Friday, it was 55, 60 degrees here. I made it all the way to Jackson, no problem. Probably could have made it to Memphis. The next day coming back, it was 25 degrees. Mm-hmm. I had to stop in Jackson. I just got to Franklin. And had to uh, recharge in franklin uh, electrify america and then come home and so you have to learn to adjust in winter driving now it's not bad uh it didn't take much adjusting it just meant i had to make one additional stop so it's just getting used to it
1: Mm. amy our next clip comes from episode 14 where mte launches the night flex rate and we interviewed cindy lane
0: uh, yeah cindy is our cfo and and she had a team that put together this night rate. Right? so i actually had some questions for her and you so this is a little bit of a longer clip but there was just so much information that i felt like it needed to be repeated so we'll, we'll go to the clip
4: so the night flex rate is a time of use rate uh, that will provide savings to our members if they can actually shift some of their energy use from what we call on peak times, times when energy prices are the highest, to off peak times. Uh, we want to encourage EV owners in particular to charge their vehicles overnight. And so there we the new Nightflex rate actually has a savings between 10 PM and 4 a.m. Um, so basically the way it works, uh, the, the basic service charge will be exactly the same as any other residential member, $2175 a month. Um, these members will pay an extra penny during the on peak hours from 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. But once 10 p.m. kicks in and they go to 4 a.m., they have a three cent per kilowatt hour savings. So that's very exciting. Um, we think they can save money. So, especially if you, you know, I know like dishwashers, I know you can program to
0: start, you know, later at night. So, if, if you could, you know, maybe do, do that.
4: In addition to to your EV. In addition to this. I mean, there's other
0: things. Maybe wait to do, you know, maybe before you go to bed, throw your clothes in the dryer. (laughs) You know, maybe do something like that. So, um, you could really add on to that and really see some potential savings. Mm -hmm. Does this rate apply only to EV chargers or to the whole house? No. This,
4: This rate applies to the whole house. So everything that you're powering from the meter at your home, mm-hmm. uh, so really, yeah, anything that you can shift to this off-peak time from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m., right. you'll save three cents a kilowatt hour. Right. Yeah.
0: So that, that it just kind of compounds that savings as the more things you can figure out to do. So that is good. Yes. So Brandon, I'm going to turn to you now, and I've got a few questions for you. Um, and Cindy, as, as you know, chime in okay. if, if you have something to add to it. So the first one is um, for a typical EV owner, um, how much money can they save each year yeah. by using this rate? And I know it's hard to say because you just don't know what people's lifestyles are and, and how people live. But right. for just on average your yeah. typical person.
1: <clears throat> I think speaking in generality, the first thing we need to look at is just on this normal rate that we have, if you were to stay on that and, and you drove, let's say, 12,000 miles a year, I only expect people to spend about $400 a year to charge their vehicles, if they do all their charging at home. And so, uh, you know, obviously if you drive more, you're going to spend more and that sort of thing. Uh, but, I, you know, I've got an EV and I calculate everything, I, you know, I throw everything in Excel, right? my mile per gallon equivalent is over 92 right now so just you know keep in mind that it's a very cost effective uh mode of transportation and our rates are super low as they are so uh so there's only 400 dollars a year that we're trying to save you money on so um obviously if you can move some more appliances and stuff off peak you can probably save more Mm -hmm. but our goal is to try to take that 400 and give some of that back to our members in a way that uh is, is really easy to follow. What, what I love about what Cindy's done with this rate is it's a set-it-and-forget-it rate. It's the same hours every day, you know 365 days a year. So if you can set your car and you can save some of that $400 that you're projected to spend, mm-hmm. then why not do it and, and save yourself some money.
0: We're gonna take a quick break from the podcast so I can let you know about Middle Tennessee Electric's EV Ready program. This program gives a $50 credit to Middle Tennessee Electric members who have installed or are in the process of installing a level two charger in their home. For more information on this program, go to mte.com forward slash drive EV. Now back to the podcast. So Brandon, I actually interviewed you in episode 16. Uh, We were talking about understanding biodirectional and two way charging. And you brought up an, an interesting concept that you think might be down the road on how the bi-directional charging can help when demands are high.
1: Yes, okay, so I like to think of it in steps, right? Our step one is the rate that we talked about. We're mm-hmm. gonna to try to move as much charging as possible to overnight when our grid demand is very, very low. Mm-hmm. As adoption increases, that, that might actually move that overnight demand up a little bit. And so step two might be more of a managed charging where we, um, we in, in, uh, incentivize folks to participate in a, a cloud management system. You can still have your car fully charged when you get behind the wheel, but we try to flatten that load in the cloud. All this technology is out there, it's available, it's, it's just not cost effective right now. Right. So, um, so step three would be when we get to a point, and then maybe five years from now, maybe 10 years from now, mm-hmm. But when we're incurring high demand and, and maybe we're even asked by TVA, you have to shed some of your load, instead of having to turn people off, if we can work with our members and incentivize them to power their home from their vehicles, okay. then we keep everybody's lights on, it keeps our costs down. It it just increases increases our system load factor, which reduces our reduces our cost, which benefits our entire membership. And it also prevents us from having to build all this extra infrastructure for just that small severe weather time that we hit every once in every five years or something like that in episode 17 understanding microgrids we interviewed avery ashby about the microgrid that he helped install at our lebanon office and i know this episode wasn't ev specific but this is all about grid resiliency, and I think it was really interesting. I think that our, our EV members were are going to be really interested in it.
3: Yeah. So usually with a microgrid, when you think about them, you know, uh, the standard way, you're usually thinking about it from a campus style perspective, right? So you see those at some university campuses, or military bases, or even business parks. And as those systems kind of, you know, as the systems kind of mature, you're seeing other use cases. Like in emergency response centers that maybe some cities have, uh, you know, even some hospital complexes. So a microgrid, you usually think of multiple buildings and in the interconnection between those. I would probably say what we've got in Lebanon is is a nano grid, and I hate to use it just another, it's a marketing term, but it's the same components but scaled down to just maybe one building, and that's what we did at Lebanon. At our Lebanon office, we have a. Uh, we already had a, you know, power coming from, from the grid. We already had a generator there. What we did in this project, we added PV, we added a battery system. We also had to add new switch gear that can control those and control the load. So we have electrically operated breakers and then, of course, that microgrid controller that I talked about, that centrally manages all those systems.
0: So when you're saying PV, you're yes. talking about the solar panels we have. That's
3: right. Okay. Just yeah, for there, those that that's right. may it, not. Yeah. So we have about 60 kW worth of solar there at, okay. the, at the site. Uh, it comes back into the main switch gear as well. And that microgrid controller will, will watch how that's uh, how much energy that's producing and look at the load of the building. And then also with the battery system. And it just manages the whole system. So... So when I think about what
1: what you're describing, it, I'm, I'm comparing that to just having a generator. You said we already had a generator, so mm-hmm. I'm curious, what does this, is it just for reliability? Like what what is, how is a microgrid different from just having a generator?
3: Yeah, so I mean, what you're talking about there is, is for backup power, right? So, and you're right, so before we had the microgrid, basically when the power went down, the ATS there, the automatic throwover switch there, would sense that the grid's off, it would fire up the generator, wait till it come up to speed, and then basically the the generator would pick up the building. Now that we've got uh, a battery system with a microgrid there, our battery is our first priority to go over to. And since it's inverter-based or power electronics-based, it can do this much much quicker. I mean, we've we've seen switching over to like a quarter of a second. Now we've backed that off yeah. a little bit just to help you know make sure things are stable there. But in one to two seconds, the microgrid will reco- recognize that the grids went down and switch it over to the battery system. And the battery is now picking up the whole building, and it'll run off the battery. And the size of our battery can last about two and a half hours at full load if the battery is fully charged. And of course our outages don't typically last that long. So it's also not only did it monitor when the grid went down, but it's, it's monitoring the health of the grid. Hey, I see that the grid's back and it's been healthy now for a couple minutes. I'm gonna switch back over to the grid and it does that all automatic. So, and the first one that I mentioned, so if, if a car hits a pole out on the, on the street or something and the power goes off, we do have an open transition, right? We'll see the, vo- the voltage go down and we chose to have an open transition so the people in the building still see that blink, but just for that one or two seconds, and then we're on battery. But the beauty is when it comes back on the grid, it's healthy, it sees, all right, it's, it's healthy and it will sync up and do a closed transition. So if you're in the building, you wouldn't know if I'm still on battery or back on the grid.
0: Okay, so Brandon, we made it through um, the recap of season one, and now we're excited to move to season two.
1: Yeah, I, I can't believe we're doing a season two. And, and we just want to say a special thank you to all of those who have been listening to season one. Um, Amy, I've told you stories about I'll be out and about and somebody will, will ask me, aren't you that guy from the podcast? And it's just, it's incredibly humbling. Mm-hmm. So uh, thank you to all of you who have listened. And um, I hope that we're going to continue to bring you content that's relevant and important to you. We're going to do our best to do that.
0: So I really wanna reiterate what Brandon has said. Um, We are definitely humbled by the um, support we have received for the season one of Plugged In Podcast and are very excited about season two. And we are definitely committed to making sure we're bringing you informative and interesting topics. And if there are certain topics that you want to hear about, email us, um, evcarclub at mte.com. Uh, we really want to make sure that we're having content that is relevant and stuff you want to hear about so in our next episode it's going to be the official start of season two and i have to say i'm going to do a little shameless plug brandon because i loved filming this episode Mm -hmm. it was so much fun and i'm excited that this is how we're going to start season two and it is a visit with you and your father-in-law to um at your garage or your father-in-law's garage to see how things are going on this conversion of the 1961 Austin Healey that you have from a gas to an electric. So you've talked about that a lot I know for the last few years and just getting out there and kind of you kind of get caught up in the excitement of it all so make sure to tune in to that it's going to be a really good episode. Um, For more information on MTE's Drive EV Programs or the EV Car Club please visit DriveEV.com or email us at EVCarClub at mte.com. Until next time, plug in, power up, and drive safe. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review. Also, we would love to hear from you. If you have any ideas of topics you would like for us to discuss, please email us at DriveEV.com at mte.com. Thanks for listening.